Hey y'all, you're listening to Diagnosing Sitcoms and Movies, the DSM podcast. We help make mental health more comfortable by using Black movies and shows we know and love and culture to remove stigma. So join our convo with your hosts, Courtney Copeland, licensed mental health counselor. And Dr. B, licensed professional counselor. What's poppin' everybody? This episode, we are talking about the 1988, what a good year, comedy slash black exploitation film, I'm Gonna Get You Sucker. (laughs) (laughs) Did you see this movie before you watched it for the show? I I needed to ask. I wasn't sure. I don't think we talked about it. I just, was this your first time watching the movie? You want an honest answer? (laughs) Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I was still in my daddy's testes. Wow. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> delete, delete, delete. Um, yeah, I I I have not wait, no. No, I have <laughs> No, I have not seen it. Yeah, she is. will make you work hard today. Oh brother, I'm so sorry. <laughs> Okay. okay, well, with this being the first time that you are watching the film, did you enjoy it? I did. I did it enjoy was so it. Funny. <laughs> it's hilarious. And it's like, oh, man, I've missed out on this. Another mm-hmm. Wayans Brothers classic. Yeah, like, the fact, like, that it started with any ghetto USA, it was like, what the? This is about to be a great time. <laughs> Wait, isn't that how Don't Be a Menace starts too? Is it? It might be. I might be tripping, but I thought so. I'm not sure. Um, I wouldn't be surprised. Yeah. We we watch the films. We watch so many at this point. It's hard to keep them all in track. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. I'm happy. Like, it's weird because, like, I realize that I don't have a lot of experience with black exploitation films and so it, this feels like a a genre Crash of course. film <laughs> <laughs> right it just feels like a genre of film that i haven't really seen but then also from for it being in the 90s and it being a black exploitation film it feels like they were the only well maybe robert townsend was also kind of on that track too but correct me if I'm wrong, like they're the only ones that was doing it at the time, right? Like it wasn't like I had like a whole list of so black exploitation films. It's an actual, it is its own genre and mm-hmm. it had its era and it really only lasted about like six years. Six, mm-hmm. maybe seven, maybe seven. I can't remember exactly the the definitive years that it was in existence of what like categorizes it as a black exploitation film. However, within that uh, brief time frame, within the 70s, there were like over 400 films that were made. And so it was, we was pumping them out. The creative juices was flowing. Black people was out here being great, just making things happen and creating films. <laughs> and so yes. with that, uh, with Keenan kind of growing up during that time and being a child then, Ooh. you grow up on black exploitation films, it becomes like... You want to do your version of it. Like how basically we're all just yeah. create, recreating things from the 90s now because we, that's when we were kids. And that's mm-hmm. exactly what Keenan was doing. And so, and wait, and more importantly, we appreciate him for it because oh, yes. this was hilarious. They are famous. They be, became famous for doing spoofs. And this is kind of their first spoof of yeah. a 
his first booth of a specific film genre. Now, we do have him in working alongside with Robert Townsend for Hollywood Shuffle before this, but this was his own, his first own undertaking in this okay. space area. I love that because I definitely didn't have that, but that's kind of where I was like, oh, okay, because I've been doing this for a little while, no, a little sham sham. And so <laughs> <laughs> to hear you kind of put that together makes a lot more sense because I... I have never even like even thought to watch this movie yet alone. Like I've heard I'm going to get you sucker, but not in regards to it being a film. That's the, the honest truth. I just feel like God put me in your life for a reason. Always. <laughs> Always. So grateful for you because um, I didn't grow up around blacks. So... <laughs> They were always making fun of me because I couldn't talk jive. <laughs> I grew up in the suburbs, my dad. I really love this Springsteen song. <laughs> Just <the> dance. <laughs> David Allen Greer is a fool. <laughs> but there are some amazing cameos in here. I mean, everybody who somebody was in this damn movie. <laughs> like, yes. Like, it was like, Kita <laughs> Ivory Ways was like, you know what? <laughs> I would have. All the cool people that I like in this okay. film. This film stars, of course, Keenan Ivory Waynes, Bernie Casey, Antonio Fargus, Steve James, Chris Rock, Kadeem Hardison, Don Lewis, Isaac Hayes, Jim Brown, Anne Marie Johnson, Janet Dubois, uh, <laughs> uh, Hawthorne James, also known as Big Red, uh, Clarence mm. Williams III, uh, David Allen Greer, Robin Harris, John Witherspoon, Tony Cox. Like, it literally goes on and on, on and on. And but on. then also, of course, there are his brothers and sisters. And so Damon is in the movie. Kim is in the movie. Marlon does a cameo as well. Him and Sean yeah. are laughing kids in the background. It's great. Um, movie <laughs> wouldn't be complete. Like I said, any Wayans film is not complete without some Wayans kids somewhere. Some, somewhere in, in it. Somewhere, somehow. You're going to get some of this on your, breath, uh, on your resume, okay? Your IMDB page is going to oh. be together. Okay. <laughs> we getting them credits out early <laughs> early honey i love it <laughs> but i absolutely love this film um there are so many quotes i don't i think the ones that stick out the most for me are just we'll take the stairs you can either go out that window or take the stairs okay yeah we'll take we're gonna take the stairs yeah we'll take the stairs that was oh, like take the stairs. <laughs> right. I was like, windows or the stairs? And now I'm really gonna start asking people that question because I live on the 13th floor. And so when it's time for everyone to go, I'm gonna ask you to take the window or the stairs. It's now what if they take the window like Damon finally decided to do at the end of the film? Luckily, I think my building was prepared for dumb people and they don't allow you to actually slip through the window. <laughs> that unbreakable glass, they can run and jump, but they'll just fall back off. Right. <laughs> Basically, you know, even when you try to open it and get a little fresh air in there, it's like, you get like hmm. that much. They said you, no one's suing us. Okay. <laughs> oh, yeah. That's what I'm asking, folks. Oh, yeah. I'm not asking telling and then probably try to throw them but we'll see depends who, who it is yeah okay so you 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 come visit me 
you you can come visit me. I think I've I think I've come to visit enough. Um, <laughs> I will. I need to. It's happening. <laughs> and then, uh, just how many each time that somebody saw uh, Jack Spade's brother after he uh, OG'd, he overgold. <laughs> yes. So I was so confused again, like watching it for the very first time, and he's like, he's OG'd. John Doe, between twenty five and thirty years of age. Cause of death looks like OG. Overgold. And I'm like, OG, oh, that's the thing. And then I knew, I knew I shouldn't have taken it seriously when it said any get ghetto USA. But then I was like, when I saw the cops, I'm like, oh, this is gonna be serious. It's like a different type of Wayne's movie. And then he said, OG. Oh, and then I was like, yep, they play too much. And then they uncovered his body. And, he was and the famous question was asked, how did he go to the bathroom with all that stuff on? This guy looks like a fucking statue. I wonder how he went to the bathroom with all this stuff on. Right. And then I'm just like, why is everybody so concerned about how he going to the bathroom? <laughs> Friends, obviously, do your chain hang low, do a wobble to the floor. Like, just throw it over your shoulder, okay? That's a lot to throw over your shoulder, though. That thing heavy. It was so many. It was his shoes. Was Maybe gold. just lean forward. I mean, lean, lean to the side. And Maybe point. there was like a maybe there was an exit that he could use in between the layers. And th that Mercedes Benz joint was like that shit was big. Yeah, Anything. I don't know. Um, I think I'll just repeatedly, you know, just throw the quotes out throughout the throughout the uh, <laughs> episode this time instead of the, just the usual go tos because there's just so many. But the the one that I just I, I have to it, it sticks out. It brings me so much pleasure and joy when I hear it is when they are <laughs> when the little white boy. <laughs> It's giving his um his report on Abraham Lincoln. And he's like, oh, with his little speech, that poor white twash. Abraham Lincoln was born in a log cabin in Illinois. This poor white twash went on to become the president of the United States. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> he got killed by another piece of poor white twash. Do another piece of poor white twash. Shot him in the head. The end. Woo! I was like, why they do him like this? And then whole whole time, <laughs> I was like, why they playing the Brady Bunch in the background? It's because old girl is actually the wife on the Brady Bunch. I had no idea. I thought they were just watching the Brady Bunch, and that's what they wanted to go watch after they did their report. What wife was the was the one from the Brady Bunch? Um, the woman that was um, Kalinka's wife is was Florence. I mean, uh, the chick. Yeah, her name Florence Henderson. Let me look. Let me look, because it's a, yeah, that's why they're playing the song The Brady Bunch in the background. I just thought it was because there's few whiter shows than The Brady Bunch. <laughs> Harla, Harla. Oh, Flores Henderson. Is it? No. Eve Plum was Kalinga's wife. Just kidding. <laughs> no. All white the, people no. do not look alike. No, Dr. look. Beat. <laughs> Okay, during the sequence in the um, Kalinga's headquarters, the theme to the Brady Bunch can be heard. Kalinga's wife is played by Eve Plum, best known for playing Jan in the Brady Bunch. She was Jan, not the not mother. The wife, not the <laughs> <Jan>. <laughs> not, 
I ain't watched the fucking show, okay? I just know the damn song and Marsha. That's it. <laughs> this is a good show. You should go back and, and, and watch really? it. Really? <laughs> I mean, I did know a little something. But it was just little snippets. Just, yeah. Little snips. Uh, so it's not it's not the mom. It's Jan. Right, it's Jan. Yeah, so Jan Brady is the who plays Kalinka's wife. Mm-hmm. I messed up my bed. Uh, but I guess we could just jump right in then to diagnosis because we can sprinkle quotes throughout. Okay, so Fran, I have to be so honest. Your your co-host is like kind of like the worst. Anyway, so I had a hard time diagnosing anyone in this. It, it was really hard. There was like some questionable moments, but it's like, how do you diagnose a spoof? You said the same thing when we said when we did Don't Be a Menace. They're exaggerated characterizations. And so it is. it does make it a little bit more difficult for some and it makes it a whole lot easier for others because it's so exaggerated. It's like it's, a, it's yeah. clear and evident. <laughs> um, but then also then again, as in real life, not everyone has a full-blown mental health diagnosis, but there are still areas of concern that could uh, benefit receiving counseling from. And so yes. with all of the transitions and the different experiences that people are having in the film, I think there we can kind of point out what we would like to do with individuals, whether or not they meet the criteria for a diagnosis. Some of them just won't meet criteria. And that's okay. So, okay, I'm sorry. You went through this whole thing, this whole spiel about this type of genre and movie, right? And you're, we're going into diagnosis, but I do wonder, like, what what is this, like, supposed to be a spoof of, like, Shaft and, like, what other, like, crime-fighting movie at this time? Mm. What? Are you judging me? Yes, very much so. Um <laughs> It's a spoof because it's an amalgamation of all black exploitation films. It's not of just all. one. Oh. So just like how Don't Be a Menace is all the 90s gangster films. This mm. is of all kind of crime fighting neighborhood hero black exploitation films. Okay. So The Last Dragon is Kung Fu Joe. Kung Fu Joe is a spit is a spoof of uh, like Jim Kelly movies. And so Jim Kelly was a 1970s action hero who knew like Kung Fu. Like he had movies um, even with in Bruce Lee. He fought Bruce Lee a couple times in films. And so Kung Fu film was a was a big thing in the 70s. And like there was all of the the movies would come on on television, which is kind of like even why Wu-Tang is called Wu-Tang because they was watching the the Kung Fu movies that would come on on Saturday morning. So lots of young black kids with impressionable minds decided they were Kung Fu masters too at that time. And so that's how you get characters or people like Jim Kelly doing all of his great movies and then characters like Kung Fu Joe. Got it. Thank you so much for that. I appreciate it. You do what I can. <laughs> to show up. Um, I didn't diagnose Kung Fu Joe with anything because it didn't seem like it, like he really was he really was trained in the Kung Fu arts. So yeah. it was he was authentic to me. <laughs> he was. He, he was. was a survivor too. He held out. He sure did. He did. And I I thought it was really messed up that he got all the way to 
Jack Spade's house and no, John Slade's house. And then he was talking to him and letting him know that they coming after him and it was just a voicemail. Slade? Yeah. It's Joe. I've come to warn you. <coughs> they tried to ambush me. And now they're going to try and ambush you and the brothers. <laughs> I fooled you. I'm not home right now. I'll leave your name and number. I'll call you back as soon as possible. What? Okay? Thanks for calling. Bye. He ain't home. Did you have a voice message like that? I sure did in high school. It was hello. Ah, you thought it was me. Go ahead and leave a message. <laughs> Childish. Did you get that from this movie? Um, maybe. <laughs> so one of my favorite characters was actually Hammer. I don't know why. Maybe because it's Isaac Hayes. Maybe you don't like my melodious voice. How about you get out on the precious tender feet of yours? <laughs> exactly. Like he was everything. And it was just so sad that he had to get shot up like that. They ain't have to do him like they that. They didn't just... have to do him like that, friend. <laughs> right. Hard him shaking on the ground like that. <laughs> just a mess. <laughs> I don't know. That was the funniest part to me. <laughs> so all of a sudden, you just go, you just go slip and then. Be... <laughs> First of all, I have so many questions. Like, why are all your guns like not in safety? At least, like you know, like you just. <laughs> <laughs> what? <laughs> why? Why that all these guys are not on your body and not secure and safe from shooting yourself up like this? I just can't. But um, Isaac Hayes, that's a good I question. A question that needs an answer. <laughs> it does, right? Because like, he was yeah. ready for war. He needed. He knew that it could pop off anytime. They knew where they was going. He off safety. I'm ready for whatever. Train to go. Are you sure you got enough? You can never have enough, brother. Yeah, <laughs> and he ready to pop off, and he was popping off all right, like <laughs> popped off on himself. Looking like Owen Redenbacher. <laughs> oh no! Oh no! I did, however, diagnose Hammer with PTSD because with um, him needing requiring so many guns, not no one else needed as many guns as he did. And then we also see him being um, just the the irritability from. <laughs> At the beginning, he mm-hmm. really was about to uh, murder Chris Rock over that one rib. How much for order of ribs? Uh, two fifty. Two fifty. How many ribs do I get with that? Uh, about five. Five. Okay, let me get one. Right on. One order. One order ribs. No, 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 no. One rib. One rib. I sure am hungry. Uh, make that one rib to go. One rib? One rib. You got any soda? One dollar. Oh, come on now. I mean, but the way he asked for it, though, I probably would have came over that counter, too. Okay. Also, it's dry as hell in this restaurant. We need a customer. Here you come in asking for one rib, not a plate of ribs, 
but just one. And he is hungry too. (laughs) Right. And he had this whole wad of money. So it's not about the money. It's about you just being, why? You got change for a hundred? Why? You trying to keep on on looking with your your girlish figure, looking slim and tender? Like, why would you just get one rib? Maybe there's an untreated, um, disordered eating for Chris Rock's character. Maybe that's something that we could look into. Restrictive eating habits. It's a thing. You know, that's a that's a good point. Because I didn't even think about that for him. I was just like, this <laughs> annoying extra character. Just being extra. And then asks, how did he ask for his soda? Like, <laughs> I just put it in my hand. <laughs> I just put it in my hand. Like, <laughs> my cup's cost more than 15 cents (laughs) i was i was annoyed for him but okay speaking of this scene i watched (laughs) marlon wayne stand up on on hbo i didn't know because okay so i watched the movie and i did what what hbo max wants you to do it looks at you look down at the suggested films (laughs) at the bottom and of course marlon stand up came up um what is it? Uh, God loves me. Right. And so he talks about Chris Rock and how he actually is in this film and how Marlon was supposed to actually be that that character because he was in school, all this stuff. Go watch it for yourself, friends. I don't want to ruin it. And so basically that's why he's actually the kid laughing at Fly Guy because, you know, he got his his role taken away from him. He got bumped. Like, he got so bumped. He he does mention Marlon does mention about the Keenan seeing Chris at at the clubs, and Chris had the bit going back then. I don't know if everyone remembers, but the good lord, that's a lot of money. How about you just let me? And then he would suggest something outrageous <laughs> oh. for lesser money, which is why he felt like Chris Rock would be a good fit because it was right in line with the the, the bit that he was already doing with the good yeah. lord, that's a lot of money. And so he doesn't directly say that in the film. But but it's pretty much the same thing, which is right. why he then was a better fit for the role. And Marlon is just laughing in the background. <laughs> Damn, Marlon. I was on your side, man. You should have had that role. No, I don't even want to go through the criteria no more for PTSD. <laughs> we so far removed. We done with Hammer. Let's look at Slammer then. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I don't really... So, have anything for slammer either <laughs> um slammer i just i feel like he might need some some career counseling like we your your feet are clearly an issue for you slammer we need to look at some options that mm. involve you not having to be on your feet for this many hours a day so w- what other options what things are you good at what other things do you like what will make you happy without having to stand on your feet all day because mm. the, the way that bunion look after they shot it, it you're not you're not gonna be able to stand them hours no more and wait for customers at the rib joint. You gonna have to sit down, bro. And that elevate that. Terrible. Okay, right? Like, the way it was moving, it looked like Buddy Love and Professor Clump's body <laughs> moving around. Yeah, that's what it looked like. Like, ill. <laughs> that's exactly it. So yeah, I just we we got to get Slammer off his feet. That's really all I have for him. It's just we got to find you a different occupation, sir. Because yeah. it's over. Your rib shack days is over. Your cooking, your chefing days, it's a wrap, bro. 
And he can't he can't even like run through windows no more either because that didn't prove to end well for him either, you know? Fire fighting just might not be for you no more, Slammer. And that's okay. We just you need just some career counseling. Yeah, we need yeah. some career counseling and put your time in what we need. A little John Holland um assessment, you know, mm-hmm. figure out what, what career and is gonna be more suitable for where he is right now. That's what precisely. I Mm-hmm. And while we are talking about just um, ancillary characters, just people out and about around talking about the brother, how he overgoes, I feel like they removed. So the DSM mm-hmm. kind of doesn't have like specific behavioral addictions as a category anymore. And so they kind of categorize gambling under like certain almost substance abuse, like Mm. It's just weird how they broke down like behavioral addictions. And so um, I would say like a, just the unspecified behavioral addiction as far as the 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 need to purchase more and more gold. We even are hearing uh, Cheryl kind of talk about just anytime he got his hands on some money, he had to get more and more gold and hundreds of them, Jack, hundreds. So. <laughs> He was owing people for for the money that he was spending on the gold. It was becoming something that was clearly out of hand for him to the point where it caused oh. him to die. So, yeah, yeah. I don't know exactly how you would treat over gold, but then I wonder if this is also like a compulsive, like compulsive personality or a disorder, right? Like, I could see that, but I feel like so that's why I feel, that's my issue with the behavioral addictions. I feel like it should be a whole a whole category up under obsessive compulsive disorders. Mm. Yeah, let me look at that. Is maybe that could be the case because if he's getting to that point of you know OGing, then perhaps it's compulsive. Which, yeah, but then we see, like, where it's in line with, like, how gambling is placed where it is, where it, there's the tolerance that's built up, where you need mm. more and more, where if you don't have it, then you don't feel okay, which also is kind of in line with compulsions, where you feel like you need to be able to exhibit the behavior in order to feel okay. But it just, that is, overall, that's my issue with the DSM, is how are we looking at behavioral addictions? What, how are we categorizing that? How are we lining like criteria what does this what does it look like going forward and i feel like the next version of dsm is going to have to do a much better job of addressing behavioral addictions yeah i definitely agree yeah it's not a personality disorder compulsive personality disorder but yeah i do see your point with the the gambling portion of it but it's like there's no specific type of diagnosis that we can give for what he's what he was displaying at the time so i will just categorize it we'll have our own in our imaginary dsm that we have created for the show the Mm -hmm. dsm podcast dsm uh there will just be a separate section for behavioral addictions and we'll have things like tolerance compulsions it'll it'll encompass both obsessive compulsive um as well as um just addiction elements so that it's addressed a little bit more clearly in our fake imaginary world. (laughs) Exactly. I like that. Or, you know, some type of um, unsubstance. What do they call it? Unspecified substance disorder. 
a specified mm-hmm. substance and the substance is gold. <laughs> yeah. Or uh, uh, other unknown substance use disorder. <laughs> That's what you get for the sake of today until we get our, our DSM published. We can use it now. It's ours in our mind. Yeah. You know, right. it's our show. Right. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> we made the rules on the show. Um, but aside from that, I also I just have an issue with the fact uh, like Cheryl and her relationship with both the brother and Jack. You was with Jack first. Then Jack Girl. went to the military. Then you got with the brother. Then you married the brother. Then the brother died and you get back with Jack the next week. Girl, that is your husband, your dead husband's brother. You nasty hoe. Quit hopping back and forth. Danger. She smashed the homies. Jeez. <laughs> I was like, why did they have to do her character like that? Like, that was trash. Um, and then he even asked. He's like, well, what about what about Junebug? Well, I got with him to remind me of you. Ew, that's my brother. No, it's kind of kind of weird. Yeah, I don't like it. I don't. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we supposed yeah. to look at her in this nice little innocent light, but she homie hopping. Where's well, his brother happened? I mean, are are you are you surprised because of I mean, this has been an issue with that or their writing for women for so long. And it's always the thing that comes up, whether she doesn't have a full backstory or they over sexualize her or they cast her in this light that just is like, why is she like this? You're right, because we don't even see Cheryl ain't got no family. She lived with mama. Like, no friends. <laughs> her husband no just died and ain't even nobody coming to see Did nobody her. come. Like, there's so many questionable things about Damn, her Damn, Drew was like, not having no friends. Didn't it, nobody even come for her? <laughs> no. Like, I'm I'm so, I'm just, yeah. So that that was something that, that sat with me where it's like, why they always had to do women like this back in the day? Like, Come on. And then <laughs> it felt like it was stereotypical, like black woman vibe. When she had a period? Yes. Yeah. Yes. I can relate. So I don't. <laughs> I cracked up though. Like, I can't <laughs> even lie. It was hilarious. Think um, I should go home. <laughs> Right. And again, you know how I was saying, like, I, my memory is terrible. I would just be seeing movies or pieces of it and not realizing where it was coming from. Like what, you know what I mean? I think I might have been in the room in a moment and they were like the people, the adults in the room didn't realize I was there and I saw it. And they're like, oh, no, get out. And I couldn't finish it. But that was definitely a scene I remember her and the one who took her wig off. I will never forget that. I know I've seen, and that's why I'm like, when someone asks me, I now I have to say no. I'd be like, did you see this movie? No, because I've only seen a snippet of it. Doesn't mean I've seen the whole movie, but yes. Her name was Cherry, and I diagnosed Cherry with <laughs> a psychological condition related to a medical... <laughs> psychological disorder related to a medical condition, because clearly physiological <laughs> issues were happening. They were present. Um, and she was really struggling with, you know, uh, her quality of life and, and relationships based on the fact that she didn't have any breast, booty, hair, 
um, missing a leg and was perpetrating a false eye color. Again, women's stereotypes. <laughs> but and it reigns true now more than ever with the, with mean, all of the things that women are doing these days. I wouldn't be surprised if a hoe just uh, tossed the leg back and was like, don't make me oh. hop after you. <laughs> I mean... <laughs> It's yeah, I don't know. I have I have mixed thoughts. <laughs> it was definitely hilarious, and I could see how you know that that was something that influenced you know that um, that scene from Fresh Prince of Bel Air uh, when you know old girl and oh, Will no, was downstairs. Her body is hers, right? You know, I feel like there were so many times like within like black film that you've actually seen that joke repeated you know girl i've been trying to tell you you missing out on quality references just i don't see how you went throughout your life just how so some jokes just went right over your head because you was missing the reference point a lot of jokes go over my head (laughs) (laughs) so (laughs) i just i live my life in the unknown And everybody's laughing like, <laughs> just. What would you do if Cherry was your client? Um, and she took all that shit off in front of me. <laughs> what? I don't know. <laughs> I'm like, wait, wait. Oh wow, you're getting real comfortable. Okay, yeah, this is a safe space. For Doesn't it feel us. so free? Don't you feel so much better? This yes. is great in the summer. <laughs> yeah, let it, let it go. But Jack stomped her hair like it was a small animal. Okay. <laughs> I, would, I think I, I probably wouldn't have responded the same, obviously, but I would have been like, yeah, okay, let's get comfortable. <laughs> no, but um, what would I do if she was my client? Um, that I don't, wow, that's a loaded question because <laughs> it's not, it is. It is because I, of course, you want her to feel confident and empowered to be her authentic, natural self. But there's also societal pressures that require certain or put us or expect us to meet a certain mold or expectations that are just extremely unattainable for the average woman. And so I think the work that I would do is just helping her feel comfortable in being who she is in the in the best way that she can show up for herself. That's it. I don't know <laughs> what else I would do. <laughs> what would I think you that do? If, if Cherry was my client, um, I would be wanting to use like uh, acceptance and commitment therapy to oh, try yes. to get her out of that place because yeah. clearly she has very rigid thinking on what she feels like societal uh, and people around her ideal beauty is and she feels like she needs to fit that and herself as herself isn't fitting that mold and so she has to do these things and so try to increase some of that flexibility as far of how she sees herself I don't think there's anything wrong with wearing a wig there's nothing wrong with having one leg it's nothing wrong with wearing the, 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 the booty pads or the, 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 the push-up you know whatever you got to do it's just how you communicate that then with individuals, because then you are removing a certain level of consent and choice from that person. And so doing that before you are 
it's just taking it off and then expecting someone to still accept you in that way. And so it, it definitely seems like she just was at a place where she wasn't accepting of herself. And so then she was just having to spring it on people once she already kind of solidified she was giving up draws. So even though there was less in the draws than they assumed that there was when they first was looking at her body, um, <laughs> neither here nor there, but definitely would be looking at some um, acceptance and commitment therapy and some self-compassion strategies, just build, building her up as much as possible. Yeah, definitely. I love that you're using ACT um, as like a, an approach so with the acceptance and commitment therapy uh, or act as a as we call it in the field, um, I would really be trying to look at building those values um, and trying to find out what her values are. Where are you misaligned with those values and, and how can we get you a little bit more closer to them? Because because clearly we're off. <laughs> now, I don't know if it's her value of like I got a place around the corner. You could come with me or if that is what she is doing to try to just get some type of companionship involvement in her life because she's missing that because she ain't got no hair no one leg no booty no breasts yeah well okay so then there was another thought that i had as i watched this was mm -hmm. that because he lied about his size or wasn't forthcoming about his size until it until they got into that space and so she was just really fucking with him and being like, oh, well, you ain't got 12 inches. And then, well, I don't have bloop, 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 bloop. And then, like, was just popping that shit off. It seemed like they were sharing. It felt like she felt safe. And she was like, all right, well, we be in our full selves. Let me introduce you. I really feel like she was, yeah, was really trying to get back at him. Like, well, I really wanted my 12 inches. So <laughs> I guess you're not getting Oh, you feel booty. like she was being shady. Like, you ain't got yes. 12? Well, I ain't got no ass. Yes. Like, why did it sound like metal when it hit the floor, though? <laughs> <laughs> I don't, nowadays, you don't know what they putting in these injections. Ladies, be careful. Be careful. It might be. Might be some copper she got. I don't know. <laughs> Anyhow, so I, in my mind, I guess I just it. That's what's so hard about this is like sometimes you over you. I over um, look certain things as being a problem because it's funny, and so it's like don't overlook. I don't see it as a problem. I mean, yeah. Right? Like, <laughs> I think each person developed shared their level of consent they both then were honest with each other and then they shared and then one person just was not one person was willing to tolerate one person's shortcomings the other person was not willing to tolerate the other person's shortcomings so he removed himself and she, she asked him to stay and tried to hop after him but it ain't what he wanted so he got up out of there honesty is the best policy when you out here in these court and streets <laughs> that is the truth uh, you sound like the little boy Piece of poor white trash. Put in this swine. <laughs> and so then moving on to Lenny and Willie. What'd you think about Lenny and Willie? <laughs> Jesus. The two that couldn't get right. Can't Not get couldn't right. get right. <laughs> no. It was just like y'all had one task and y'all just and, and, and then it's like 
you just throw yourselves down the stairs because you know you fucked up. So you just go take a tumble together. Hilarious. Take the stairs. Right. (laughs) I think they really do have a lot of, they rely on each other a lot. And Mm -hmm. so there's a lot of dependence, especially for Willie. But then Mm -hmm. Leonard needs him too because Leonard is kind of not always like the best judgment. He doesn't make the best decisions and then he says things and then Willie's like but look and then he no stupid I mean it like douche so there's that (laughs) I think your description though uh, perfectly aligns with what I diagnosed them both with and so then for um, Lenny I diagnosed him with conduct disorder and Mm. so the criteria that I felt that he met was the aggression to people with often um bullying threatening or intimidating others initiating physical fights Mm -hmm. or using a weapon that can cause serious physical harm to others and being physically cruel to people (laughs) Mm -hmm. and then um there is has deliberately destroyed others property with them throwing them pillows around like they had no sense the pillows what what was the pillows going to do that was unnecessary you just out here just being destructive um deceitfulness and with the, the telling lies and then the serious violations of rules. And so we don't necessarily see, you know, the, the childhood, the previous behaviors, the different things. Then so I kind of flexible on that one. We're assuming here. And mm. we also so we also don't know when the onset of this was. And we don't know. They seem because we know Damon. Like, I don't know exactly how old they were. So I went with conduct and I wasn't feeling like he fully had yet met the um, antisocial personality disorder. So I went with conduct for him. I don't know if Lenny would ever be my client. I don't think he would ever come to counseling. Maybe like if once he's in the hospital recovering from throwing himself out the window, or then I jail. might see him. <laughs> or, or that. I, I, didn't want, I don't want to go to jail. But, you know, whichever way. Um, that I encounter. <laughs> if he continues making the dumb the dumb decisions he was making, I'm sure he would land himself somewhere in a jail. I mean, good point. So I would be using reality uh, therapy with him. Lenny, what do you want? And what is you doing to get there? Mm. Just real basic. Just what what is it that you want? What mm-hmm. what are the basic needs that's not being met? Like which what do you want? What do you need? And how, how is you go? How are you? How is this getting you there? Is this working for you? No. Okay. So Mm. let's find some stuff that is. (laughs) Right. Right. I think that's a good one too. Cause he, he doesn't know. Like he, he feels, it feels as though he's just doing what is going to get him some decent money. You know, and he, he just doing, doing what Mr. Big tell him to do. And I yeah. think Mr. Big is taking advantage of him in that way and that him just being a, a do dirt type of dude and taking advantage of that in this way. And I also feel like he is doing that with um, Willie as well, who's his nephew. Yeah, Mr. Oh, I was confused, but I just went mm-hmm. along with it. I said, maybe. Mm-hmm. I, <laughs> nephew. I thought, yeah. OK. Um. <laughs> I thought you would know, but OK. I don't. Okay. I, I don't. <laughs> and so with um Willie, I went with 
dependent personality disorder, kind of aligning yeah. with some of the things that you had said earlier with some of his behaviors and kind of going along and being told certain things. Um, and the criteria that I felt that he met for that disorder was having difficulty making everyday decisions without an excessive amount of advice and reassurance from others. Uh, uh, what are we going to do about the girl? Just everything. Just mm-hmm. yeah. Get, get the door watch the door <laughs> right <laughs> all of and, those things yeah and then um the needing others to assume, assume responsibility for most major areas of his life having difficulty expressing disagreement with others because of fear of either loss of support or approval and also going to excessive lengths to obtain nurturance and support from others to the point of volunteering to do things that are unpleasant Mm-hmm. Just it, the nature of him being a goon in the first place. It seems like he was just doing for the approval and the support of Mr. Big. Yeah. And then unrealistically preoccupied with fears of being left to take care of himself. He, <sighs> yeah, I, I can see that in several different scenes, especially when they're on the rooftop and they're supposed to be like they're shooting at Jack and John. Mm-hmm. And he's like, but aren't we? Why are we letting us go? Even though we were trying to kill you. And he's just like, really stupid. Like, so that's just, you know, making this uh, seeking uh, guidance or asking questions for what to do next. And then also with the doing things that he doesn't want to do. Clearly, this doesn't seem like something that he would naturally want to do but it's like his uncle told him so he's doing it because he doesn't want to lose the approval and acceptance of him and it seems like the Mm -hmm. uncle might be the only person who's giving him a a chance especially working for him also that fight scene also lets me know he doesn't want to be violent he's just like let's just do this i don't know how to fight let's just just (laughs) pretend (laughs) right let's pretend so i don't really want to be here (laughs) right so that's just that's my thoughts on on him and then even with uh with Lenny and and lying like didn't nobody come up behind you with no guns like the soldier got, dude the soldier dude like you know you got whooped by his mama okay and that she was something else <laughs> she was something else I loved her though <laughs> so my question was was mama and all of her fighting skills back in the day was she helping John Slade fight crime was he like her her robin to his Batman <gasps> wow. because she was out there whooping ass and so that just leads me to assume that either maybe that's how they met or maybe that's why they had to break up she was like I got these kids now I can't be out here fighting can't crime fighting John crime. I can't you know and so I, I, mm. I had questions I was like hmm you know I wonder if that was the case, but also the stuntman um, probably <laughs> was responsible mostly. You mean the white we, man with the handlebar mustache? <laughs> yeah, I was like, we couldn't even try, friends. No, They're because so in black exploitation films, you can always see the stuntman. It is so funny. Like, why is this very clear? And it was he a full a whole a whole like fifty seconds went by of him punching and kick like there was no attempt to try to no yeah, i love it a spoof exploitation and you know that you can always see the stuntman <laughs> i absolutely love that it was one of my favorite parts <laughs> and they're ridiculous for this and then she just all right let's go home <laughs> put on your jacket it's all outside like what put your ass but yeah I, I want a mama like that that's gonna come in and whoop some ass. I no? don't. 
It seemed like Jack didn't either. He wanted to fight some of his own fights, but Mama was not letting him. But we don't get much, again, women and backstories with the Wayans. I know we've done so much of y'all work at this point. Y'all already know Wayans Brothers that that's all we want is backstories for our women and storylines that make sense. And so we get that, you know, that the mama, you know, Belle used to do that thing with a tongue back in the day, but we don't know what, what else she was doing and, and the, the full story behind her and John Slade. And that would have been interesting to learn. And so I just, I wanted to know more about Belle and I don't have a diagnosis for John Slade because he seems the most well-adjusted individual in the whole film. Just uh, my observations. No. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You know, but there was this moment where I was like, you know, John, I don't know if putting that dynamite in your pocket is a good idea, bruh. While you're trying to what uh, pr- propel yourself from the roof on the side of the building. I don't know, John. And then kaboom. <laughs> And then he came back with, with all his his shards and sh- stuff, smoking Shredded at the end. Level. <laughs> right. I was just like, that wasn't the brightest. But, you know, I don't know if that's necessarily But he also had been out of commission for a while. You know, you get a little rusty. You get a lot out of practice. Make Good thing he didn't put it in decisions. his mouth, right? You know, like. Oh, uh, Lord. Uh, I heard on to the so like, go down. Like. That really would have ended things. Like a cartoon? What is he, Bugs Bunny? <laughs> well, why the hell would you put it in your pocket? <laughs> it wasn't me who came up with this. It was them. Like, dumb. <laughs> Questionable. I just don't understand. That whole scene was just so dumb. <laughs> uh. But clearly, I feel like John had uh, he had been making like life choices coming back. I'm sure that coming back to crime fighting uh, must have been a hard decision for him to make with him already being retired and hosting the, the ghetto Olympics or whatever, whatever it was that we saw yeah. <laughs> at Listen. the beginning of the film. The old woman robbery competition will be starting in five minutes. <laughs> Look, you the best part of the Hood Olympus was watching them take apart that fucking car, bruh. I said, it's wait a minute. <laughs> <laughs> right? And everybody is so into it. Like, the race with the TV screen and the dogs and just, they were ridiculous. Like, seriously? <laughs> they left nothing on that car. No, like, what you doing with all them pieces? The chop shop. <laughs> Oh my god! They, I mean, they chopped and screwed the hell out of that car, yeah. I'm surprised they left the steering wheel. <laughs> okay, I was like, okay, Fred Flintstone, go ahead and get your new car. <laughs> I'm sure that frame will make some child a great uh, go kart base. Listen, I, mm-hmm. <laughs> or or somebody clubhouse. Knowing me, I probably would turn it into like a, a little house with the frame. Like, come on, friends. Let's play house. I would be that. Get in my fort. <laughs> get in my fort. Yeah, basically. I love a fort. Have you done it inside the house? You can't, you're not taking my, I don't know. Maybe your household was different. My mama was not letting me take her sheets no. and covers outside oh, the house to, to build no damn fort. That's why it's a club, <laughs> it's a clubhouse outside. You just take the scraps from wherever you can, create it. Oh, cardboard box. Yeah, we could have yeah. set it up that way. Right? You use a cardboard on that? Man, that shit was lit. Uh, anywho, moving right along to who I would like to whew, get into some childhood memories with, though, is Jack Spade. 
while I did not give him a full-blown diagnosis, would like to talk about this hero complex that I'm starting to feel that he potentially might have. Mm-hmm. And so how the, and, and the implications of that, um, especially with him returning for the military, even though he was a secretary. <laughs> Listen, everybody need a job in the military. <laughs> this one's for shorthand. This one's for surfing. <laughs> 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 and the military do be like that. They be giving war- awards and shit for nothing. Like, wait, I, you got an award for that? And people be decorated as hell. And it's just like for simple shit. Like, it's hilarious. <laughs> but, but we appreciate anywho, you. We appreciate you. Thank you for your service. Yeah. Um, aside from that, though, it, it seems like, but his intentions are going. He wanted to show that Cheryl that he was a man. He wanted to prove something to everyone. And then him coming back and being disheartened with how the neighborhood was when he got home and feeling like he had to be part of the solution and he had to help change it and seeking the help from John, just kind of feeling like that's his responsibility. And I've worked with um, individuals who were in law enforcement who kind of had that and felt like even then it, it transitioned into their personal lives as well. And so they felt like they had to save the individuals that they love from their circumstances, whether those individuals asked for it or not, just from that feeling of I need to be useful. I need to be helpful. I need to be doing these things and looking at um, just kind of how that's impacting him in his life going forward. And so especially with the transition that he's making out of the military now, what does life look like going forward for him? Does he just want to continue to be a vigilante and and fight uh, neighborhood crimes and take down terrible, horrible, evil white crime bosses because they exist throughout all of America. And so he could just go city to city and continue to do it. But (laughs) if he was my client, I would like to use um, Adlerian therapy with him. Because I would like to first like look at that birth order and see with him being the oldest brother, if that how in some way influences his feel, his feelings of needing to protect everyone and be part of the solution and be like the organizer and get things together in that way and, and have the community be a little bit more healthier as a result of his actions and not just its being. And look at some of those early experiences that he has with mama coming and fighting all of his battles and kind of, um, it seems like to a point where he developed some uh, feelings of inferiority like he had to then prove that he was able to do the things and that he could and he really just doesn't have a lot of outlets in order to be able to do that because <laughs> mama gonna show up regardless <laughs> mm-hmm. so kind of working through some of that with him and seeing like and, and the one thing I do really appreciate about Adlerian therapy as well is that it does have that social justice component and his community is very important to him and that's a strength to him. And so how do we continue to continue to support the community? The, the, do you want to be a crime fighter now? Do you want to then move into law enforcement and protect the community that way? Do Are you and John Slade just going to open up your own private um, something that y'all do and protect and individuals from the community can come and get y'all support that way? Just what, was, what does this look like going forward? And how does this impact your relationships going forward? Like this relationship with you and Cheryl, like what does that look like? I have questions. Yeah, <laughs> but I do feel ones. like the prognosis would be positive with Jack mm-hmm. because he does have a lot of strengths. He does have uh, some insight about himself and it none of his intentions are bad. Yeah. You know who I think he would really partner up with very well? Um, him and, and, and John. Um, Blankman. I think they should join forces for fighting crime together well blank man doesn't come around for like another five or so years so 
but now but now that that they've come together in my world mm. they should partner up oh okay mm -hmm. yeah that's just my two cents anyhow um <laughs> but anyway I, I do agree that um you know going with a Atlantean approach would be beneficial for him you know and I also think again you know adding some career component career counseling into there, seeing what it would look like to transition from being active duty into the civilian world, which is difficult, right? You know, so uh, what are the, uh, the VA services that are, that are you, you're provided and how are you make, taking um, advantage of some of those resources, what's lacking, and then, you know, picking up from that position. And then also making sure that we, we get him, you know, his theme music, and I think he did an excellent job choosing KRS-One as someone, you know, as a as a part of his theme music. I think that was a really good choice. But we need to solidify something, really get him out there as a superhero. Every great hero has to have some. Right. Uh, not a superhero, every hero. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm -hmm. Right. Which now I think, I take it back, I don't think he would be a good fit with Blank Man. Yeah. Blank Man yeah. has theme music, though. They just will have the own separate, yeah. It was be a superhero. Oh yeah, that was his. Um, he had R and B group, right? Yeah, yeah. Wow, okay. Jack Spade is a little more edgier, so he would have. Yeah, that's why I'm like, are they nice still with a whole turntable just hanging from from his chest? Like, right, right. Yeah. I like that. Mm -hmm. cool. And then the girl who who job just was to pump it up. <laughs> I don't there know if you, you noticed her in the background too. I did. Yeah. I mm -hmm. did it. So she did. <laughs> oh my gosh, I love it. So, what would be as a hero, uh, as a hero therapist? We're out here saving lives and, and helping people every single day. What would be a theme music for uh, for for helping the people? What would be my theme music for helping the people? Mm-hmm. Ooh, chair. Oh no. <laughs> what would be your theme music um i guess it depends like is it are we looking at just for like actual like therapy mm -hmm. okay for like actual therapy i'm thinking i'm thinking i think that it would be either like um it would be the jackson five let me show you let me show you the way to go Follow mm -hmm. me. Follow me. Ooh, yeah, that's a good one. Follow me. Mm -hmm. Yes. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. See, I don't and know. And then for like group and like stuff like that, it would be mm -hmm. a DMX party up. Because woo, y'all will make me lose my mind. True shit. True shit. <laughs> I really think that your your theme music is, is great. And I'm still slacking. Because there's, it's like a part of me is like, Barney, I love you. And, um, okay, very interpersonal based. <laughs> You're telling me a lot about your therapeutic approach. Very interpersonal. Yes. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Keep going. Um, you know, and then, and then when it's time for me to get going and chopping people up in the throat and shit, it'll be about damn time with Lizzo. It's about damn time. In a minute, I'm gonna need a sentimental man or woman. You know, like that, that's my jam. So, mm -hmm. okay, 
<laughs> who also had uh, theme music, even though it was it, it, it was short lived, was Fly Guy, who I gave a Z code of problems related to release from prison. He just oh. he needed to get adjusted. It was it, he was you know he's still in the seventies, <laughs> and it was damn near ninety. He just needed to catch up, but once he did, he came and fly. Then he with a little little pea shooter gun. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he did come in there. I thought he was done. I was like, oh damn. He just came outside and had his self-esteem just shot down. He didn't come back out. Kids like Marlon chasing him and shit. You see my shoe broke. Right. Now, you see I'm running. I'm with running. My one good on shoe. My one good shoe. Wow. I, I was really Marlin. concerned about the fish. Like, why the fish had to die like that? Well, them fish should have already been dead because he was in prison for a long time. Who was feeding really the fish? Was the guards feeding the fish? How the fuck they was new? You get released in the shit that you came in. Those are... No, he went back home and he changed his outfit. Oh, so so them wasn't them on his clothes, them on his, that on his fit that he had. Yeah, seventy two. No, because he got he wore to the players' ball. Yeah, that was something different. But who was feeding the fish while he was in prison? No, because he went he went out and he bought yeah, he it. went to the house. You say he went to the house. He he bought it with what money? His whole money, girl. Get pimp. Where the hoes at? Right here, right here. <laughs> you just are dead set on being somebody's hoe. I don't understand. <laughs> but you don't want to be a bottom bitch. It's so backwards. I'll never get it. It's not for me to understand. You know what? Moving right along. <laughs> Only other thing that I felt like just needed addressing was Keena's hairline. I just couldn't take it. It's just <laughs> I couldn't deal with it. It was bo- it bothered me so. So you the leading man. But then, it is so funny that you say that because that is the only thing ever would not shut up about you. It, it was like, terrible. What is up with the hairline? And back in the day, like did they? I'm not so think glad that well, to Keenan just didn't. You see, the man went bald. Early. But the back, the back was was nice. Because <laughs> that's the only thing that he could get edged up. Girl, want nothing enough oh, up here God. to do nothing about. That was hilarious that y'all said the same shit. And I, I'm just watching it like, okay. <laughs> and then it was Charlotte bothered me so. Girl, I looked at it and it was one of them scenes that was like had his face in the in the camera. I was like, it was like, <laughs> yeah. <sighs> What happened? Why didn't they care, friend? I, I male pattern baldness apparently runs in in that in that male gene to that family because you see, Keenan went bald early, Damon went bald early. It just it was rough, I guess. I don't know what was going on in their family lineage. Marlon's still holding strong, but you see, his is sir, yes sir. So it's only so much much longer that he can hold on to that as well. The only person mm. who I did not give a real diagnosis to, but then am adding on a fake uh, DSM podcast DSM diagnosis for mm-hmm. is Miss the big for the um just the mm. the evil the evil spirit the evil man bad mm. man syndrome just you know what I, it's the, the bad man, man. The, the man the, the man d-a man 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 the man because you gotta remember we talk about the man and how you gotta watch him he's a tricky motherfucker and he'll come and tear mm-hmm. all your shit up and destroy your whole neighborhood if you let him and that's mm-hmm. exactly what mr big was trying to do i'm not gonna justify it with mental illness i'm not gonna justify mm-hmm. it with nothing else you just in as the old people say you got the evil spirit on him because he mm. he got the man syndrome 
Mm-hmm. And the criteria is evil. Mm. It, he he got the devil in him, but it ain't cramps. Mm-mm. I can't. Da, da, I cannot. <laughs> Thank you for bringing it all the way back around. And if you would like to support the show to help us get more content out to you all, you can visit our website and follow the support the show link to become a Patreon member or donate on our cash app. Now we're happy to get the kind of money that jingles, but we'd rather the kind that folds. As always, be sure to follow us on Instagram at the DSM Podcast, and you can subscribe to our show wherever you get podcasts. While you're there, go ahead and leave us a comment because we are counselors and care about what you have to say. Until next time, y'all. Peace. Okay, bye, you cinephiles.